Now we can talk about that. Conversational, cutting edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argor, aka Lady Justice, your host, with my co host Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show into our library of weekly archive shows. It is our goal to make a difference. So um, I wish you good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast, either live or on the archives, and you are always invited to listen to our multitude of podcasts in the Inside Lens Radio Network. And I want to let you know that our our show, my show is somewhat diverse. We try to um, also have some shows dealing with elder care, with health and wellness, with disability, and that kind of fits into in quote-unquote tragedy, although um, being an elder is not, is not a tragedy. I'm approaching that age myself. But I would say that there's so much for us to learn and to be prepared for, and we have – a trilogy of shows now. This is the third one I believe we're doing and showcasing Connecticut AARP um, members and staff, and I'm very proud to to represent them. Um, but before I do, let's welcome in uh, Delightful Delilah. Good morning from Myrtle Beach, and I, I'm, I'm very glad to feature this guest, and I'm, I think we're going to learn a lot. What, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. Good morning. Um, Good morning. You know, I had my own experience with with quickly becoming a caregiver uh, for a very good friend and client, actually. And different circumstances brought us together. Um, and then she was diagnosed with cancer, ovarian cancer. And, you know, we were very close friends as well as working partners. So, of course, I wanted to step in and help her. She really had no family involved, and there was no one else to do it. So looking back on things, when you're in the middle of it, you don't realize what you don't know, and you just actually do. That was my modus operandi, just do something. And so I was totally unprepared, of course. I was totally uneducated in what to do. So it's kind of a learn, learn as you go experience for me. And I think one of the hardest things was resources, not knowing what type of resources would be available for her. And I had to search out different things constantly and, and searching for things I didn't know what I was even looking for and hope hoping to to run into the magic bullet that was going to make all of this okay. Um, so I did learn a lot about different resources for cancer patients, for treatments, for uh, assistance with drugs, and, you know, some of the things that went along with her everyday care. So I was able to find the best that I could find and deal with it that way. And another thing were all of the different protocols that were available, the treatments, the uh, all of that goes into caring for a cancer patient who, you know, was someone who was totally, totally full of life, very, very hardworking woman um, who obviously did not want to give that up, who fought tooth and nail. And it was very difficult to try to keep her contained for her own good. And there was that almost a battle between us sometimes, 
she knew right. what I wanted. I knew what she wanted, and sometimes we clashed. But it, it, you know, as time went on, it got more difficult because her needs changed. And when she suspended treatment, of course, her end of life um, things needed to be put into place, and and her wishes granted, and and trying to get all of this together, it was a very, very exhausting, it was six months, and it was very exhausting. However, it was a very life-changing experience for me. I, I, number one, I don't think I'll ever recover from it. I think it aged me 10 years, but on the other hand, it was a very loving experience, and I, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. So that's kind of how my story evolved with with becoming a caregiver. But hopefully other people will be more informed ahead of time. I think that's the trick. It, it, but it's it's like a lot of issues that we speak about, Donna, in that the general public, and I put myself into that category, we really have no idea about what to do about certain things, whether it be a missing person or whether it be, in your case, a homicide. We we have no idea how to deal with it or how to prepare for it until it happens. And then we're in the dark. Then we're, you know, we're swimming upstream through murky waters trying to figure Absolutely. it all out and do the best that we can with it. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm just going to say I'm very, very interested to hear okay. what our guest has to say and, and to learn how, how to prepare for these things. It's important for everyone to know. Well, I, I think your description so captured your experience and Susan and knowing and loving her as well. And Jean, Jean, Karen, we are so happy to have you here because maybe – you can speak to Delilah's experience. Uh, I know it's a little different than than your mom's, but you know that there's com- common ground there, and it's so important to have you. And I just wanted to say just a little bit, Jean, before we bring you on formally, you have been um, a volunteer with AARP, it's my understanding, and if I misspeak, correct me, for the last six years, you've had a very vibrant career, and financial services for 35 years and managed a couple of nonprofits and have been, uh, you know, kind of a whiz in fundraising some very important ventures uh, for people. So you've, you've had a given background in other areas. And then, you know, something occurs in your family where you have to take on this role. So, the, so part of the focus of this show will be you describing that in this, in this, um, uh, caregiving initiative that we call a roadshow or a road tour. So with all that said, Jean, welcome to the Shattered Lives uh, radio family, and we so welcome you today. Thank you so much. I apologize, but I'm on my home phone, and one of the things we do is fraud watch, and it looks like I'm getting another one of those scam calls, but I'll just disregard it. (laughs) Um, Okay, we'll disregard. (laughs) So... I'd like to start off by uh, quoting um, something that Rosalind Carter said. There are only four kinds of people in the world, those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers. Um, To me, that says it all, and um, it's it's the way we open up so many of our uh, caregiving presentations because it I think it really hits home with a lot of people. It certainly did for me. And I'd also like to just comment on um, our founder, Dr. Ethel Percy Andrus, the founder of ARP. She was a retired high school teacher, and she found a former teacher living in a chicken coop. Um, she got really mad but got organized, and she turned her efforts into helping others and started a campaign to obtain affordable health insurance for retired teachers. Forty companies turned her down, but she eventually succeeded. She discovered that others needed help, too. And that is how ARP was founded in 1958, and it's important to note that was almost a decade before Medicare. Wow. Um, Yep, yep. So uh, (laughs) before I start my story, I'd also like to comment on uh, the U.S. in general. There are 40 million, this is as of 2013, and as you know, many of these surveys uh, take time, and 
these numbers are, I am sure, have increased exponentially. 40 million family caregivers provided unpaid care in the United States in 2013. Together, they provided the equivalent of about $470 billion in unpaid care. And as the baby boomers age, the number of potential family caregivers for every person in the high-risk years, ages 80 and older, which we call the caregiver support ratio, will decline precipitously. Nationally, the ratio of caregivers will drop from 7.2 in 2010 to 2.9 in 2050. The decline will occur in all states, but some some states will be even more harder hit. Um, And so this is really what we call the silver tsunami as the baby boomers age. Um, Caregiving is really at the forefront for for ARP, uh, providing much help with finding resources. Um, So uh, my story is I retired, looked forward to that fun time in life where I could now pick and choose things I wanted to do and and to travel. And uh, two years after my retirement, my mom, who was uh, 92 at the time, had a massive heart attack and suddenly became quite debilitated. She... um, she immigrated from Hungary when she was three years old. It was the typical, uh, you know, American story, coming here with her parents and her brother, with uh, owing their passage to family, and um, started a, a interesting life here, a pretty successful life for my family, actually, after many years of typically working in the sweatshops, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm so proud to be first generation in this country and to have been the child and the grandchild of such amazing people. Wow. Mm -hmm. Really deserved some help. She was, at the age of 92, amazing. She only stopped driving at 91, and she came to us and told us, you know, I think it's time. Um, Very fortunate because many people have to face this issue of taking the keys away from parents and older older relatives. But she she was a crackerjack and realized, she couldn't do it anymore. She lived in a great senior housing, walking distance to downtown, very independent up until this heart attack. Um, they told us in the hospital at that point to gather relatives that, you know, her time was near, which we did. Brought my marine grandson in, one of her favorites, dragged him in. Uh, the day we went to visit her, believe it or not, we found her walking down the hall, pushing another patient in a wheelchair. What? Uh, so she was uh, the energizer bunny. She came back from that heart attack, um, but was uh, really debilitated. Had you know was compromised, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. She really ne- suddenly needed more help with many things, and um, I had just started to volunteer with ARP. Fortunate for me because this isn't the case for many. And I panicked, and I really didn't know where to turn. Um, But my friends at ARP helped guide me, and um, I think at this point it's a good time to mention that people who find themselves in this situation, a really great place to go for help is the AARP website, aarp.org. And Mm -hmm. if you're specifically looking for help with caregiving, backslash caregiving, but you can find it on the home page as well. There's a plethora of information out there and some guidance as to um, resources, where to go for help. And it it will tell you, like, where to start, right? And then, you know, sort of step-by-step depending upon your scenario? It does somewhat, but it also... Um, there is something called uh, AARP I Heart Caregiving, and yeah. it's a really n- neat place to go where you can actually hear stories from other care- caregivers and find out, you know, sort of how they were able to find their way to help. Um, so, you know, you, you got to poke around there a little bit, but you will find it. There's great information, and it also, you know, we cover all 50 states, but it is also state-specific, 
So if you, for example, live in Connecticut like I do, you can go onto the Connecticut site and you can find caregiving guidance and resources right there. If you're in Florida, you can go on to the Florida State and you can find some resources there. Um, so I, you know, I just can't say enough about what a what a great tool um, the ARP website is for all, you know, in terms of caregiving and certainly other other issues as well. Well, I'll be sure to to, to post that again too um, for you so that we we be sure to get this out there after after this podcast yeah. is done as well. Okay. Yeah. So to the Caregiving Roadshow, um, basically we um, we in Connecticut um, wanted to put something together that we could take to the community to sort of help people, you know, kind of when they're faced with it or prepare for. Uh, as a financial planner, that was a role that I took really seriously and enjoyed in my career, was really sitting down with people and, um, making sure that they had important pieces in place, not just to caregiving, but in, in all in all aspects as we age, um, because there's nothing like the benefit of planning ahead of time rather than being suddenly hit. Kind of back to my mom's story, because I was a planner, I made sure that my parents had all the documents in place that were necessary. You know, the durable power of attorney, the health care, the will, letting us know what they wanted. Um, and I'm sorry to say that in my career as a planner, this was often lacking. People don't want to talk about that. But the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is we're all going to reach this point sometime in life, hopefully, if we live long enough. Um, you know, I, I we used to joke in my field that, I'd sit down with someone and we'd, you know, take an inventory of assets and what have you and talk about um, planning, and they would say, if I die, and we always used to say, it's not if, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> when. <laughs> and right. you really need to be prepared. And, and, it's, and it's, it's a gift for your family as well. Um, so juxtapose my mom and my mother-in-law. So my mom had all the documents in place which made it easy for me to pick up those financial pieces. And when I found the resources to help her, I could act more quickly because I had the power to do that. Um, My mother-in-law, on the other hand, was living in Florida for years and did not have any of these things in place, even though we tried to get her to do that. But, uh, again, it was my mother-in-law, not my mother, and so I couldn't really insist like I did on my end, and Mm -hmm. she did not have anything in place. And we found her, suddenly she came to Connecticut from Florida and decided she was going to stay here, and the family had to help her find a place, do whatever. And um, while she was here, she fell and broke a hip, and she was seriously ill. And it made life so much more difficult for us because we didn't, the family did not have in place what they needed um, you know, to act on her behalf, and I can't say enough about that. It's, it's you know, for the family's benefit and for the person's benefit. It's, it's just so critical that those pieces are in place. Mm-hmm. Jean, how much time should one give give themselves to be able to do the this planning? I mean, there's several components. I know, you know, I'm a financial counselor, but they may not be versed in what to do in terms of elder care or special needs and all of that. But if you're getting your, your affairs in order and, and, look, and being proactive instead of avoiding it, how much time should you allow yourself? Well, I, I mean, I, can't, I don't know how, what, if I could really speak to time. I'm just saying, you know, I, because I was a planner at, and I had young children at the age of my early 20s, I had documents in place. Um, Good for you. <laughs> You know, yeah, I, you can't, it, I, I tell everybody, you really can't wait because, I mean, we've seen tragedies happen where, you know, particularly in the world that we live in today with an opioid crisis, et cetera, um, that, you know, families are suddenly faced with a young person being in a pretty critical situation and the family's got to step in and help. And so you got to do this 
from the get-go. You know, you, you really got to start. Another analogy I used to like to use in my working life was as you're getting ready to do this, you know, we would talk to people and say, okay, you need a will, you need durable power, you need da-da-da-da. And they'd say, oh, I have a great attorney. And I'd say, you know, tell me about your attorney. Well, he did all my real estate closings. And I said, well, (laughs) does he have the expertise to really look at your estate, you know, to look at your financial, your physical condition, and to make recommendations. Well, he's an attorney. Well, that's really no. nice, but <laughs> uh, he may not. He may, but he may not. And so, you know, you really need to spend some time making sure that you have the advisors on board who really are expert in um, in in what your needs are. And today, it's, I think it's a little bit easier because you can actually go online and find uh, places where you'll know you'll be able to find advisors who you know quote their uh, their uh, specifics and and you can really drill down and find out if in fact they are able um, to provide yeah. that help. You so can. Time it, it, is one it, thing. Is it true also that regardless of what age you are or how much or how little assets you still need a you still need a plan because you don't want the state of wherever to take everything or if you even if you had no one to give things to I mean you might have favorite charities and as you age you should be especially if you're doing this younger perpetually updating things because things change in your life and there are other people that come into your life that may be a higher priority than what they were 10 years ago or whatever. Is that true? Well, I I don't want to get too deep into the financial planning piece of it because I no longer practice. I represent ARP. All I'm saying is it's really important that you speak with an advisor who can give you guidance on your own personal situation. Um, And that's I I understand that. I was just asking in generalities because, you know, our lives are not static. They're perpetually changing, and things change in our life, and we we just have to keep keep up with them. So to say that we're doing something Yeah, well, it's just like your health. You know, you go to the doctor on a regular basis. You really need to talk to your partner on a regular basis, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, can you you discuss with us in a little bit more detail with regard to what well in and even you know in generalities you don't have to talk to your about your mother-in-law situation specifically but there's a contrast there between your mother and your mother-in-law what was it that you encountered and what kind of red flags do you want people to know about in in this process gene um well if you don't have if the family doesn't have the power of attorney and if there's not a um you know healthcare proxy mm-hmm. uh when you uh, when someone like my mother-in-law or someone in that particular situation is admitted to the hospital you have very little power if they're suddenly incapacitated to make decisions for them so that's the biggest red flag um you know I just can't say enough about that i i would say that's key to everything mhm Okay, because, you know, some people are not familiar with that until they're faced with that situation. So that's right. That's right. Right. And so you want your family member to be comfortable and get all the help they possibly can. And, um, you know, you you need to be the spokesperson for them. You may need to be the spokesperson for them at some point. Um, So I'd like to also just talk a little bit about, if I could, um, resources that are available to yes, people, not, not I can't do specifics because things are very state specific. Right. Um, but again, I refer you to the AARP website where you can find resources. I can give you a little example of Connecticut. We uh, have posted a caregiving resource guide on our Connecticut piece on our website. Um, it only works for people in Connecticut. But many of the other states have also posted similar kinds of things, and it will uh, point you to uh, resources. For example, my mom was on something called an elder care uh, program, which was partially funded by the state. We paid a uh, we paid a portion of it as well. 
but she was then eligible to remain safe in her home and received a number of uh, uh, resources. She had uh, companions and homemakers who did the cleaning and some shopping for her, would take her to doctor's appointments if necessary. She had meals on wheels, so we were ensured that she had um, you know, good nutrition on a daily basis. Uh, after her heart attack, the VNA came in and uh, checked on her vitals, made sure that her medications were all taken as they were supposed to be. She had a life alert, which you know was a, a great protection for us, so that if suddenly she had a fall or you know whatever, she could push that button and help would be there immediately. Um, and each state has something that's very different. I know my state, so I'm telling you what we had here. But many right. states have resources like that. And it, most often it goes, it's done through Department of Social Services. And, I, again, I only speak to my state. I can't tell you what others have. But does, drill down on the website. You should be able to. the eligibility piece? Because I know I work with a lot of people. I work for services for the blind in Connecticut and extremely elderly people and a lot of people turn to our volunteer services department um, that does selected things and very highly vetted with volunteers. And it seems like sometimes they're just not eligible for some of those services. Is, is there something that, is it, a, is it a factor where they could have been and they just didn't look into it early enough, Jean, perhaps? Uh, not necessarily Not necessarily early enough. They just didn't look into it. Um, you know, they it, def- it depends. And each state has, has, um, again, their um, parameters for who qualifies, um, and so you got, you'll have to find you'll find that as well, <clears throat> uh, perhaps through the ARP website, or I also just encourage people to Google, um, you know, in-home services for elders in the state of whatever state mm-hmm. they live in, and things will pop up like a Department of Social Services. Um, uh, you know, all sorts of things can pop up, and you can find out who qualifies. And in fact, um, I, you know, even if you find a program, <clears throat> it, you may not be able to have it fully funded by uh, some other resource. But it's still worth it for the family to pay for a portion of the services, or the or the person may still have <clears throat> the ability through. Um, you know, whatever income stream they may have, Social Security, uh, pensions, uh, IRAs, whatever, <clears throat> to pay for to pay for some of the programs as well. Mhm. Yeah. I don't. You know, I encourage people to look because if you don't, you won't find it. Um, and it may or may not be funded by some other source, but it's still important to, uh, you know, to look. And 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 in the end, what it does is it really. You know, my mom had these services for almost five years and only went into a nursing home three months before she passed at the age of 97. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, then she went on to what we call a Title 19 program where we had to spend down everything. Spend down the um, but the, right. Yeah, but the cost of... You know, the cost of nursing home care in the United States is really <clears throat> quite stark. Um, Connecticut being <laughs> one of the most expensive states, we always, in our roadshow, we ask the question, you know, what costs more? One year's tuition <clears throat> and fees, room and board in a public four-year university, and the average is about $19,000. Um or one year in a nursing home, private room, and in Connecticut the average is one hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. So, um, isn't that incredible? You know, that, that's really <laughs> incredible. Um, and so, the longer that, yeah. someone can stay in their home through one of these programs, you know, in the end, it costs the state more if they, you know, once they wind up. Uh, depleting all their assets and going into a nursing home. So, you know, it, it, and this is something we do at ARP. So here in Connecticut, we work with our ARP legislator, uh, um, lobbyists, and we're at the state capital, capital 
very often with our red shirts, which is our AARP color, and we stand out when there's, a, as they say, a wave of red coming into the Capitol. And we mm-hmm. meet with our individual legislators and ask them to vote to continue to continue to fund these programs um, because they are so critical to to the you know the seniors in our state and in the end it winds up costing our state much less if we fund these programs and keep people at home where they want to be uh, versus going into a nursing home you know there there is a point like for my mom um, you know, she was doing really well, and the services that she had really covered a lot of what we needed, but then suddenly we realized that, you know, she left the stove on, um, she started thing, doing concerns. some things that would have been a danger to herself as well as the residents in her housing complex. So, you know, it was time. We had to move her. Right. Well, what would you say um – I know in just attending your latest Elder Justice Conference a couple of months ago at Henry Lee um, Institute that the gerontologist um, told us right up front that because of the longevity of our population across the United States, 70 is now middle age, and I haven't even approached that yet, so that makes me feel good. But <laughs> given given that, how is AARP and other other entities, or how how are we preparing and gearing gearing up for that? I know with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia, it's just like skyrocketing. So, given that we are by you know on average, it said um, when they first started researching this, we are now living 30 years longer proportionally than than what you know the last generation did. So where does that leave us, Jean? Uh, well, I think a lot of the good work that we do at ARP, as I just mentioned, working with our legislators, we do that across the U.S. Um, and uh, in D.C. for sure, just really working to ensure that there are programs that are viable that are there for, for seniors. And, again, I think doing, you know, giving advice is, is, is key to this. Um, uh, yeah, I know. It's uh, it's quite something that people are with. I mean, look at my mom, 97. Who would have thought, um, right. you know, a really a viable, intelligent person who, um, you know, still had a lot to contribute. So, again, I, I, I think, you know, we've got to, we've got to vote. <laughs> yeah. That's another campaign okay. we're having this year. Um, you know, the 50-plus really has to get out there and vote. You've got to vote. It's really critical so that many of these resources that are out there continue to be available for everyone as they age. Yes, absolutely. It, it, it definitely starts with that. Um, what can you address some specifics in terms of what what you learned uh, via trial and error when you suddenly became a, you know, a, a caregiver, like what Delilah was alluding to at the intro yep. to the show, that you you didn't know and things things that you wanted to know, but maybe you learned just by jumping in there and doing it. What kind of, you know, do you have some things that, that you can pass on in terms of people that are listening that are in that situation now, practical yeah. things from, from that side of the bed? Absolutely. I will tell you that one thing that I yell loud and clear to anyone when they're approaching this situation is you need to take care of yourself. Cause, and we liken it to, you know, when you're in a plane and you have a young child and they tell you when the oxygen drops, make sure you do yourself first so that you can care for the child. Um, right. So my mom, when she was so ill in the beginning and I was struggling with where to get help and what resources to find. And quite frankly, she was, I always describe her as a tough Hungarian. (laughs) She had, you know, she continued to want to do things by herself and it was apparent that she really couldn't. And so she fought me and this people, many people have shared stories like this. She fought, fought me like crazy for that first year, every stretch of the way. And um, six months into this, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night with um, 
severe chest pain, and I'm a relatively healthy, relatively slim person who works out and eats healthy, and but I woke up in the middle of the night with chest pain and um, called the ambulance, and my blood pressure was like 150 over 100, and they thought I was having a heart attack. It turned out to be a very severe case of GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease, right? Mm -hmm. and I was very sick for a year. I almost needed a caregiver myself. Um, It took a while, actually, for them to diagnose it because they weren't really sure what it was, and, um, you know, and then it was more difficult for me then to help take care of her since I was ill, so I can't say enough about you've got to take care of yourself first. It sounds selfish, but it isn't, because if you're not in good health, forget about it, and there are some resources out there for you as well. Um, If you're working with someone who has Alzheimer's, there's Alzheimer's respite programs, there are um, adult daycare programs where someone, um, you know, maybe a caregiver and needs help. Maybe they don't have a lot of family caregivers who can come in and help them. And so look for some of those resources. There's always family members, but you need to be really careful about that. So if you go off and you leave your loved one with a family member, you need to make sure that that family member knows what their responsibility is, understands um you know, medication regimen, understands um, some of the really critical issues that your elder faces that really has to be watched. Um, So, again, caring for yourself and giving yourself that break, because if you don't get that break, I, I just can't say enough about that. And so you're saying in your experience, because, you know, you had this severe uh, bodily reaction and you know medical issue that came on partly I'm I'm thinking as a result of all the stress um, yep. that you're kind of pushing down pushing away. So when do you how do you when do you fit this in? Is is when okay mom is napping for an hour I'm gonna go and do this or is is even a few minutes to go in. I don't know, meditate or, or go go down to the local gym to, to take a swim or how do we how do we fit this in if we're in the throes of caretaking? Can you give us some practical things? Well again, I think it's looking for resources. That's the key thing. Um as I mentioned and, a couple of them, you know, there are adult daycares, there are some respite programs that are sometimes funded by other private resources. Um and that's that's the only thing that I can right. think of. But, but uh, and family again, family funding? is important if you have family. But make sure that they know what their responsibility is. Yeah, you know, I I uh, did a show not too long ago from a from a um, an elder care uh, director that was talking about a, a, a care caregivers uh, who were the um, were the um, not the siblings, but a daughter or a son, and perhaps they had not been raised properly in in that they were neglected or abused by the person they were caretaking. And I'm just thinking, and I'm just kind of playing the devil's advocate here, Jean. I'm not trying to make it hard for you. But a lot of people live way out in the boondocks, and there's not a lot of services. There's not a lot of family uh, or maybe, you know, they, they don't have computer resources. Um, and there is only that one person. But what 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 would a person do in, in those circumstances if it's only this one person and there is not re- relief or respite? Are there, are there things that, that you might be able to think of that you can say, because I know of a lot of people that are not in big cities that can take use of, of resources and those kinds of things, and maybe they're only dependent on this one person. Are there other other means that perhaps we can we can tell them about? Huh. Um, well, every town. I mean, that's where I would maybe make every town should have someone who is savvy in elder care. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we have that in Connecticut, and I would think, again, I, I can't really speak to, um, you know, there should be some sort of a senior advisor, possibly 
that, you know, by going to your select person or your, you know, whatever, in the town that you live, um, that's one way I think. I would also think perhaps, uh, you know, contacting your health care provider. I mean, that's surprising. Some of them know about resources. Some of them don't. So it's a catch. Right. Yeah, catch can. Um, uh, Religious organizations may be able to, uh, you know, if someone is involved with a religious organization, I'm just thinking of this off the top of my head. Based on within our within our caregiving program, we also talk about, um, you know, where you live and um, what are the things that are important to you. And from that conversation, just off the top of my head, I am thinking that. Um, you know, some of these resources, religious um, places that someone may have worked or been or volunteered for, you know, that sort of thing, may be able to find and healthcare providers, hospitals yeah. perhaps. Okay, because there are so many people in that situation where they cannot access resources as readily as, you know, a state like Connecticut. Well, we we have many towns that are are very small we have 169 towns as a lot of people may not know outside of connecticut and they essentially operate independently which i think is kind of ridiculous but hope maybe we can regionalize you know but that's another conversation so so gene maybe the probate court i'm just you know off the top of my head thinking Probate court absolutely there's municipal agents or a mm-hmm. lot of times there's a town social worker. You might be able to yep. go. Uh, go yep, a that's trainer. right. Yeah, right? So yep. um, I've had to do a lot of research for clients, so I kind of know those things as well. Can you um, can you describe for us when you go in, whether it's a – is it a senior center that you're doing these, uh, these road shows for? Or uh, when you go in and do a particular presentation – how does it how does it go and and what are the basically what are the contents that you cover and how do how do people you know sign up and get in touch you know kind of the nuts and bolts of it yeah well in Connecticut you go onto your ARP uh, website again and can find your state specific and um, there's usually a link there if you're interested in some we list our programs on there as well all sorts of uh, presentations that we. <clears throat> that we provide. Um, No, we don't just go to senior centers. In fact, we're we're trying to hit people um, as much as possible who are younger, who, you know, the 50-plus age, though we do senior senior centers as well. But we're trying to hit some people who are, um, you know, the average caregiver is like a 42-year-old woman who works full-time and typically cares for their mother, um, you know, maybe 20 hours a week in addition to working a full-time job. So we're trying to hit people like that as well as those who are at the point where they or their spouse or their partner may need the care. Um, so we're, so where do you, you know, go? we make, do you go to work sites to, to, um, corporations? We do, so we've done, or? so a couple, I'll just give you a couple of examples. We, at yes, we did go to a work, we've done, we go to work sites. Um, there are some, you know, some, clubs organizations it was a retired teachers organization that we made a presentation to um a ymca had um a great group that they you know had people come in to make presentations and so they come from everywhere they really do and it's not just senior centers it's it's really a wide array of places where we go and make our presentation and i can just if you would like me to i can just give you a nutshell of what we cover sure. in that presentation yeah yeah i would like to do that it's very interesting that that demographic that 40ish professional woman is taking you know has all this on her shoulders so you need to target that age range right that will be target all age ranges cuz you never know you know um okay so the way the presentation starts is i really start with that great you know quote by Rosalind Carter about you know it kind of makes people think, oh, my God, yes, that is true, isn't it? I may be a caregiver or I may wind up needing care. And we, we certainly touch on why AARP cares, and we talk about the Dr. Ethel Percy Andrews story of how she created AARP. The things that we, we um, hit on are, you know, the benefits of planning, the cost of care, 
the caregiver support and resources, and we give people um, an overview of how ARP, so again, we're in Connecticut, so it's Connecticut-specific on <clears throat> what ARP is currently doing, um, you know, talking about what I just shared with you, how we have all of these volunteers who meet with legislators and, and really, you know, we really, <clears throat> I think, I like to say that we work on behalf of people who have no voice. So we're fighting for people at our state capitals, um, ensuring that that the 50-plus are being heard and that there are, you know, resources available for people who find themselves in this uh, in this situation. Um, and that's basically what, you know, those are the components, and each one we break out in great detail, um, you know, what's available and what we're working on in each of those categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you get uh, some representation in terms of males? And I believe I also heard from when we went to the conference in uh, West Haven that Miss Millennials actually are doing something like maybe 25% of the caregiving of maybe a grandparent or something like that. They're kind of chipping in as well. So can you describe that dynamic? Is that kind of true? Is it a lot of it? Oh, yeah, it's definitely true. And I'm fortunate because I have millennial grandchildren, so I'm going to count on them. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we had an interesting presentation. I have to say I love them all, but this one was really quite interesting. It was all men, and it was at the YMCA. We had 63 men in attendance, and they were so engaged and so interested, and they were at various points in their life in terms of caregivers. Some of them already were caregivers. Some of them knew that it was coming soon, and some of them were probably going to need care within a short period of time. And it was such a dynamic group. And, and again, you know, our statistics always say it's the woman who's doing the caregiving, but this group was just wonderful. And as a result of this, uh, we were able to give a little bit of advice. We, we, you know, we point people in the direction. We don't hand them, we don't take them by the hand and take them somewhere, but give them direction is where they can begin to research for some resources. And, um, at the end of the presentation, we were just delighted because we wound up with another gig <laughs> because oh, uh, a, a gentleman in the audience thought we had done such a great job and that the information was so critical. And, you know, he's signed us up for another group that he's involved with. So, uh, yeah, so it's 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 been very, you know, I feel like I'm doing it for my mom. And, um Absolutely, what she's looking say? down no? and, and proud and, and proud of you for for doing this. Um, what what are you seeing in terms of after you do this um, feedback impact that kind of thing? Like, okay, the impact at this particular one at the Y Y M C A was that you know okay you got another gig out of it, but also are you getting verbal contacts? Are you getting people saying I I found this resource or I did this particular thing and it really makes a difference? What what are you getting back? Yeah, we are getting some of that. We are getting some of that. And the other good story is we often get some new volunteers too, um, which which is great because we grow our base and we've got more red shirts out there fighting for folks. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got uh, everyone that I've done, the feedback has been extremely positive, and this is something I really needed, and thank you so much, and I'm going to go to this resource. And um, and if not, it's just people who are not there yet, don't really need it yet, but they now have um, a little bit of ammunition for when when they will be faced with it. Absolutely. I think it's very valuable. So I'm wondering if we can put a, a word out there to say, anybody in Connecticut that's middle-aged, you need to <laughs> – Contact AARP and and um, give them information about your whether it be a work site or uh, an organization you're involved with because there's nothing like being proactive. Uh, Delilah, you've been there listening. I know. Um, what what do you what do you think about what we've had to say th- thus far? Any particular comments? 
Oh, absolutely. I think I wish I had had a lot of this information when my situation came about. And I think, you know, one thing I would say is, although we're speaking about caregiving of the elderly, there is also a whole segment of population that will be caregiving for their children or for younger family members who who may, out of an accident or whatever, become disabled. Um, and Thank I would imagine that. that a lot of the resources are going to be overlapping. Is that correct, Jean? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I thought I touched on that in the beginning a little bit when I talked about the need to, uh, you know, to plan because you just never know. Uh, you know, a child could be in a car accident or, you know, have a serious illness um, or, a, you know, a sibling who not, would not be considered elderly. We see a lot of that, too. Um, a lot of these services um, can be. Some are specific to to the elderly, but there are resources out there for uh, for others as well. Just have a disability, and then you um, using myself again. You put the aging process on top of a disability, and you know, as you get older, things get harder. And oh yeah, we, we do. We do. We have to prepare. And um, I don't know, Jean, maybe you could, I had this question in the beginning, and maybe it's political correctness, maybe it's not, but I just want to know, what is the difference in using the term caretaking versus caregiving? Um, yeah, I, we use caregiver because that's basically what you're doing. You are giving care. It just has a, you know, we don't typically use caretaker Caretaker to me sounds like somebody's going to take care of my house when I'm traveling. You or, know? or take care uh, of the caregiver. You're, giving of, you're giving of yourself and you're caring you're for another of, person. Okay, I, I just wasn't sure, and I didn't want to use the incorrect or be be corrected if I use the incorrect term. So it's it's in this situation, caregiving is well, caretaker is somebody that maintains the cemetery or something, right? Right. right. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, that that's good. Um, with there, um, is there any, um, other particular information that, that you would like to, to, to point people toward if they, um, you know, say they're thinking, well, well, I, we have limited funds or assets. Are we still able to do these things? Would you, would you point them to a, a, a general resource that you're saying, well, I can't afford to hire this one or hire that one. But again, is it looking to your faith-based communities? Is it looking to your your, your town municipal agents, social workers? Is it if if you're thinking, well, that would be nice for mom, but I, but she didn't have assets, or I can't afford to hire out, you know, a person. Uh, what would you say in general, Jean? I think in general, just what you touched on is probably the same thing. I always start with Department of Social Services for people who. Ha- who have limited resources, um, I think that's a that's a good spot. Um, again, ARP website, you'll find some things there. Some of them are state specific. Um, as we mentioned about, it's kind of the same thing. Someone who's perhaps you know doesn't have family, et cetera, and looking at some of those other resources like faith based or healthcare provider. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but just to keep. To keep digging and keep looking, that's that's the best advice I can offer. Okay. And uh, when you do these presentations, they're about, would you say, about an hour and a half in length? And and uh, people, are they perpetually done uh, all, like, 12 months of the year? Yes, we do them all year long. And actually, this, you know, this, this was a new initiative that we started um, last year, and I was – you know, honored to be asked to help put it together because I've had the experience and I think because of my financial background it was helpful. But we had a core group who worked on it and it was just such a great experience. Um, but we're also planning in July to get together that initial group and to dig down and look at, you know, what have things changed? Do we need to add? Do we need to delete? What went well? You know, so we're always, um, we're always tweaking it and, and, and bringing it up to date. Yeah, well, well, that's that's great because these seem to be so innovative. If someone is listening and they, in fact, what are the qualifications 
um, to be a volunteer with AARP and what, what, what kinds of things could they get involved with, whether it be this program or something else? Um, well, I, again, I, I kind of, I don't mean to, to repeat this, but go to the website. Um, yeah. And if you're, whatever state you're in, go to your state. Yeah. And take a look because each state has uh, paid staff. We have, our staff is in Hartford, right across the street from the Capitol. Um, yeah. And they, it, it will typically point you if you're interested in volunteering. Um, there would probably be someone in each of the offices who you could call and talk to. Um, and depending upon, you know, where you're coming from, what your experience is, there are so many things that can be done. We look for volunteers to do everything. Not everybody wants to go to the Capitol and, and, you know, talk to their legislators. Not everybody wants to go out and make presentations. Um, but we staff tables at events where we're providing uh, people with ARP information. Um, we need people in the office sometimes to, you know, stuff envelopes and do that kind of thing. Um, we have a, a whole variety of presentations that we bring to communities I joked earlier about that call coming in. We've got a wonderful program, Fraud Watch, where people really learn about, you know, some of these awful things that are out there, particularly as they try to, um, you know, impact the the elderly. Uh, My mom was certainly hit by a couple. Thank God she didn't submit to them. I get phone calls every day, the grandparents scam, et cetera. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got programs like that. We've got programs on... Uh, utilities to make sure that you're, you know, play, paying the right utility rate that, you know, again, there are scammers out there trying to uh, bring you in and wind up paying three times what you were originally paying on electric or whatever bill. Um, we've got tax aid people who help with taxes. We have people who do driver safety. Um, you know, so there are just a huge variety of programs. Again, just go to, go to the website and look right. at our programs that we offer. And again, it can you can be a main presenter or you can be somebody who assists. Maybe you're good with technology. Um, you know, there's a there's a whole host of opportunities. Well, th- that's what that's what makes it so valuable that people bring their background to the fore and you're able to use that and play off your strengths. We were able to have Byron on Gene um, several weeks uh-huh. ago that talked about the Fraud Watch program, so we do know about that. And just to reiterate, because we have people listening across the nation, there are ch- there are chapters in all fifty states, correct? Um, yes, For there AARP? are volunteer opportunities in all fifty states. That is correct. Okay, and although they may be a little different in their focus or what they're doing, everyone can look up AARP in their particular state and and have similar services. And from what I understand, our state is particularly innovative, even even though we're small. So I think if people want to call just for advice, too, if we're we're one of the more uh, proactive ones, I think we, we would welcome those calls from other states as well. Is that not true? Yes, but I think I still would refer them to their own state because okay. um, all of our staff, all of our staff are just—they're amazing. They really are. And and um, the volunteer base—you know—you may call if you're in Alabama, for example. I, I have really good friends throughout the states because of a program I was involved with them initially. Um, mm-hmm. I can't say enough about the quality of the volunteers in the states and the staff. And so I think it would be it would be more beneficial to actually contact your state and your you state. Okay. yeah and talk to the staff member and i'm sure they'd be happy to refer you to a volunteer because i talk to potential volunteers here in connecticut all the time and you know um can really give them a heads up and idea of what types of things that we're doing here very good well i i think this has been valuable and uh you you if, if you have any other um innovative things that are coming up on the floor that that you want us to get out there be sure to keep in touch with me Jean, and we can maybe maybe help you and and use use the show as a tool if there's something you know something that you you want to get the message out okay oh sure that would be great i really appreciate the time and uh, i love giving this information and helping helping somebody who finds themselves in a situation like i was and uh, being able to uh, you know, find help sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, well, it's so important. So we we do thank you, and this podcast will be available for you to pass on to others as well. Um, And so, Delilah, um, I I think that I think that we've had a good good show here today, and we just want to 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 thank our guests, correct? And and uh, hopefully we can pass this on to South Carolina and beyond as well. Oh, absolutely. I think the information is, is more than invaluable, and we appreciate you giving us your time today, Jean. Oh, thanks so much. I'm off to uh, my great-grandson's fifth birthday party shortly. So. Oh, how <laughs> exciting. <laughs> well, from one end of the age spectrum to the other, Jean. So, so you got it, and I'm helping to care for him a little bit, too, because his mom is a single mom. So oh, um, well, you're right. You can care for all ages. <laughs> care, get, care. Caregiving never stops. So with with that, we'll say thank you so much, Jean. We appreciate it. Thank you to all our listeners, and be sure to listen to all our podcasts on Inside Lens Network. Thanks, Delilah. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.